in our series in Genesis in the life of Abraham, um, Palm Sunday coming next week. And I'm working actually from the, the old NIV, which may, um, but I'll read verses 1 to 19. Some time later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I'll tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he'd cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We'll worship and then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba, and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Let's pray with those words uh, open before us. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the grace to, to hear your voice as we turn to your word this evening. May your spirit speak that word freshly to us and help us not to harden our hearts, but to to heed what you say. 
We thank you that you address us individually through this same word. We pray for ears to hear for ourselves, not for somebody else, but to hear your voice for ourselves today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the refrain I've had in my mind um, more than once as we've been going through the life of Abraham in the first book of the Bible, Genesis, is, uh, well, there's been a, a recurrent refrain. It's the question which God poses to Abraham in chapter 18. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Um, and in the course of the story, finally at the age of 100 comes the proof Nothing is too hard for the Lord, and little Isaac is born. Uh, Polly Stanton helpfully pointed out to me much earlier on in the account that God took as long as he did so that when the positive outcome finally came, it could only be God's doing. I think um, the Thursday morning groups, probably I see one or two people that have been on Thursday mornings, uh, would echo that that's a, a lesson that's come home in their studies, too, it could only be God's doing. Human endeavor could never achieve what happens. But is anything too hard for the Lord? Answer, no. By the way, I, I don't doubt that we can profitably ask ourselves the same question at the moment. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Faced with um, a health service under pressure, faced with emotional fall out from a year of isolation, or put yourself in the box wherever you fit in, academic burdens on everyone in education, economic constraints, which are going to be with us for years, or rather with our children or grandchildren if we're uh, advancing in years. It really looks like human endeavor is going to be stretched to breaking point. But is anything too hard for the Lord? That's the question uh, I want to bring myself back to again and again. Human extremity is often the context for God's opportunity. So that would be true for us individually, and it's certainly seen here in this episode of Abraham sacrificing his son Isaac. I want to distill what I've got to say, uh, rather than looking at every verse in the chapter, just to two phrases, the puzzle and the provision. I think the puzzle is clear right at the start of the chapter. I'll read that little bit again. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I'll show you. So you see the puzzle there, I assume. It would be bad enough for any parent to face this trial, to sacrifice their son, and the whole idea was uh, to become especially awful later on in biblical times in the way they understood uh, child sacrifice, a horrific idea to them as the, uh, the, uh, the uh, storyline of the Old Testament unfolds, which suggests to me that this story is genuine. Nobody would make it up. It's here because it happened. So as I said, it'd be bad enough for any parent to sacrifice any child but Abraham is not any old dad, and Isaac is not any old child. Abram's been called the father of many nations. 
whose family will be the channel for worldwide blessing. And when he finally has Isaac, the child of the promise, you'd expect almost that child to be given wall-to-wall protection by God. But no, it seems, he's to be sacrificed. And I think you feel the force of the puzzle in the way phrase after phrase in God's request piles up. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, and a name, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him. Surely not, God. How, how could that possibly make any sense? And as the story unfolds, you get that moment when the boy himself is doing the mental maths and struggling to come up with any answer that makes sense. The fire and the wood are here, Dad, but where's the lamb? It's a funny old sacrifice. Well, not so funny when the moment comes that he is strapped onto the pile of wood. So you see the puzzle. Abraham waited till he was 100 years old for the son, and God came through on the impossible situation that time. But do we ever learn that lesson adequately? We'll get round ready for another round of things impossible, which we couldn't ever hope to solve. How is God going to sort this one out? Because make no mistake, it'll have to be him. So let's move on from the puzzle to the provision. And we know that we're meant to notice this because it gets highlighted three times. Abraham says it first beforehand. When Isaac asks about the lamb, he replies, God himself will see to it. There's a literal translation of the word, or provide it. Then after the ram is found with its uh, horns jammed in the hedge and it's sacrificed, Abraham immortalizes the incident and sort of memorializes it by giving it a name. So that's in verse 14. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And the name Jehovah Jireh was obviously going to work as a memory tool down the years. And here's the third time the idea gets mentioned in our little reading. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it'll be provided. So what anybody after the event is meant to remember about it is that word provided. God has provided. What we're supposed to remember even to this day, nearly 4,000 years later, is the provision. God had to do it. Nobody else could deal with this puzzle. And God did it. The Lord will provide. God will have a worldwide family, and he'll do it by providing a sacrifice himself. And what started there on Mount Moriah, providing a substitute for his chosen people, would establish a pattern for exactly how God did it again, when instead of the sword of judgment falling on us as it should, it fell on the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, Jesus Christ. Now, if you step back from the story and take in the panorama of the whole Bible, which starts with creation, uh, creation was apparently pretty effortless for God. So he speaks, and the world comes into being from nothing. And it just takes 
in your Bible, just, you know, the first couple of pages, pretty much. A few pages in our Bibles. Then another chapter in Genesis describing humanity's fall into sin, one more page. But the story couldn't finish there, right at the start of our Bibles, and it doesn't. The plan of salvation unfolds over the next many hundred pages of our Bibles. So you ask the question, how's God going to fix the human predicament with mankind cut off from God and creation itself put into a spin by that rebellion? It's a mammoth job, a massive puzzle, um, plans which will take millennia to fulfill. But is anything too hard for the Lord? No. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided And I take it we are meant to derive encouragement for the other seemingly intractable puzzles of our day. God is equal to them, whatever it is that you're facing today. There's a lovely verse in in Romans chapter 8, which seems to echo this story. Romans 8 verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, so what God asked of Abraham he was willing to do himself. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? What was at stake at Mount Moriah in Genesis 22, our little reading today, was God's whole promise of blessing, the whole plan of salvation. Your salvation and mine was at stake. And God provided, as he was to do once again in Jesus, decisively. The puzzle. How can a perfect, holy God ever have sinful people like Simon Scott as his friend? Well, no way that we can ever solve that puzzle. But the provision is the answer. Jehovah Jireh. God provides. And if he provides in the big deal situation, our salvation, he will graciously give us all the daily, smaller things which we can't cope with. We realize quite how enormous our salvation is and how completely God has provided for that. Then it makes no sense at all for God not to come through for us in every other area. He'll graciously give us all things. And I think that helps me see, well, understanding that helps me be liberated to go for it in giving my all to him. I mean, if we're worried that, we can't, that God can't provide for us, I think it's inevitable we'll hold back in some way from giving it our all for him. I wonder if there's something you're reluctant to give up to God. Maybe there's something really precious to you. And you say to yourself, well, I can't give that up to God, can I? What is it for you? You ponder for a moment what it might be. Well, this story says you'll never lose out by giving God anything even the most precious thing that you could give. 
I just put, I, don't, I didn't put down lots of specific examples. I put down money. We're worried about um, whether, whether we'll be able to cope if we give God our checkbook or our, our bank account. It might be more apt way of saying it today in a techno age. We hold back from giving a financial free reign to God. Well, there is no need to hold back if he's the God who graciously gives us all things. And if he's the God who has given his all for us, there's no danger we'll lose out to him. Not if we hold alongside the puzzle, the provision which God makes, Jehovah Jireh. So thank God for that provision as we meet today. And we're going to do that as we pray now, I think I've left a sheet of paper in my pew, which I need. I would love us to begin with thanksgiving, and there's a lovely uh, Church of England prayer that has the general mercies of God, the all things that he provides for us uh, in, in mind, and also um, that great uh, rescue, the redemption of the world. So I'm going to lead us in praying the, the prayer of thanksgiving. Some of you will know most of the words of it off by heart, and you can quietly say it under your breath as I lead us. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you the most humble and hearty thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and all mankind. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for your immeasurable love in the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and the hope of glory. Give us, we pray, such a sense of all your mercies that our hearts may be sincerely thankful so that we may show forth your praise not only with our lips but in our lives by giving up ourselves to your service, and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with the Holy Spirit be all honour and glory for ever and ever. Amen.